building a massive portfolio, building wealth, learning all the hard lessons, but now pivoting and saying, I'm going to make you a priority. And I think he saw a younger me in him. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today we have an episode that I've been extremely excited for. We're sitting down with Cody Sperber, the clever investor, to talk about real estate, investing, we're talking about wholesaling, we're talking about exactly how to get started as a young person in the world of entrepreneurship. Because a lot of you guys approach me and you're like, man, I want to get started, I don't know what I want to do, or I know what I want to do, but I don't know how to actually execute on that. And in this episode, Cody's actually going to give us a step-by-step -step blueprint for you to follow no matter what field you want to be in, okay? Whether you want to be in social media, whether you want to be in real estate, whether you want to be in e-commerce, okay? Cody's going to give you a step-by-step -step blueprint that you can follow and apply in any field to see some serious, serious success, okay? And this dude's had a lot of success in the wholesaling area especially and now branching out into all aspects of real estate but this guy's got an eight figure company the clever investor where again he's he's coaching people he is investing himself um he's doing a lot of different things in the real estate space he's mentoring people this dude's got a lot of life experience he, he's 40 years old so he's a little older than the average guest but he's got a lot of life experience to bring to the table and he really shares in his story how how things aren't always as linear as you would think okay because he is not somebody who just like got into real estate one day and was instantly like making lambo money okay this dude it, it was a process for him to get to where he's at now and i think that was really valuable so i'm glad that he was able to share that story but without further ado we're gonna get right into chatting with cody sperber the man the myth the legend so wherever you guys are right now whether you are walking to class or whether you are commuting to work i want you guys to sit back relax plug in and enjoy this episode of young smart money with cody sperber the clever investor all right, Cody, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? What's good in the hood? I'm, I'm great. I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure. Dude, how do I get that cool hair? How do I get the cool hair like you? <laughs> it's a I process, man. It's a process. It takes like years to develop. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I like it. You got, you got style. I need some style in my life. Thank you, man. Well, if you're ever looking for a stylist, I, can, I could fly down there and we could, we could line something up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but but Cody, in all seriousness, our listeners got to hear a little bit about you in the intro to this episode, but for those of them that aren't super familiar with who you are and what you're currently working on right now, give us a quick like 60 second snapshot of where you are right now. Yeah, so um, first off, what's up everybody? Super excited to have this conversation with you guys. Um, I'm the CEO of Clever Investor. We're a real estate investing education business out of Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, it's grown beyond my wildest dreams. We're one of the largest online real estate educators in the space. Uh, I'm a father. I got a uh, son named Hudson. He's like mini me, except for on crack. Uh, he's, he's a crazy kid, but he's, I swear he's going to be president someday. And uh, my daughter Brinley is exactly like my wife, drop dead gorgeous and just a ball of sunshine. She's, she's my light of my life. Um, and, uh, obviously I'm a husband and, uh, yeah, what else do you want to know? I mean, I, what, I'm a real estate investor first and foremost. That's what people know me as. Um, my first 10 years in the business was just flipping houses, wholesaling houses, investing in real estate, building a portfolio. And so many, I got so good at it. So many people came up to me and said, how do you do what you do? I want to learn how you were able to make that happen. And if we get into my story later, we could talk about like, I, I didn't start with money. So a lot of people are always inspired by the rags to riches type story. And so, mm. you know, people came up to me and how do you do what you do? And before you know it, I'm teaching them and I, I love teaching. And so 
the education business was born and then it started growing and it became this big thing and I'm just holding on for dear life and enjoying the ride and now I'm talking to, you know, a bunch of young future entrepreneurs, hopefully that are going to come and kick my ass and take, take my spot someday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, I mean, like you said, we are talking to an audience of young people today. So I like to start all the episodes off by sort of flashing back in time, working our way up to the present um, and starting off sort of like in your middle school, high school years. So in that time period, were you interested in entrepreneurship? Were you, were you really into school? What did that time period look like for you? <laughs> it's, it, it, it was, uh, it's funny because I, I've always been fast. I, I process very quickly, hmm. but I was always emotionally immature and I always was physically immature. So my, I hated middle school and high school. Like I got picked on all the time cause I had a smart mouth, but I, you know, I wasn't big. I got, hmm. you know, bullied a lot and people, I was an easy target. And so, I, and I didn't have ambition like I do now. And it's so, I'm so, uh, inspired by all the young people out there right now that are turning on so much earlier, like with YouTube and, you know, having this powerful technology in their hands that they're, they're, they're going after big things at a very early age. So I think that's unbelievable because I, in high school, I, I gotta be honest with you. I was hanging out with my friends, partying a lot. I was doing drugs. I had no real ambition. I grew up in a fairly poor area. I, I only had two other white friends in my neighborhood. Everybody else was Hispanic. And I just, it was a heavily Hispanic area of Mesa, Arizona that I grew up in. My parents didn't have a lot of money. It was a little 900 square foot rental. My grandparents lived in one of the bedrooms. I slept on the couch half the time. You know, this is just how I grew up. And so you're a product of your environment. You know, my friends partied, my friends did drugs, my friends skipped class and, you know, did stupid shit. And that's what I did. You know, I was just along for the ride. And, um, Fortunately for me, as I was going through that experience, um, uh, I didn't have any ambition to go to college. And I think it was just honestly, if I was to be brutally honest, it's because I felt out of place at college. My backpack was probably the size of me. So I felt really out of place. Like my maturity level wasn't there. And I just was like, dang, this does not feel like a path for me. And fortunately, my dad convinced me to go in the Navy. Hmm. as an alternative to going in to college. He either said, start a business, go to college and get good grades, um, or you could do what I did and go in the Navy. And my dad was always my hero growing up, so I wanted to be like him when I was a little kid. So I was like, that sounds cool. I'll go travel, you know? Yeah. Not knowing what the military really was, not knowing how hard it was. Um, and so, you know, uh, I will say this about this, because this will pre-frame my future. And I think that, I think that when you look back on your life right now, a lot of, if you're young, you, you might not have this perspective yet, but I just turned 40. I'm about to turn 41. And um, I look back on my life up to this point and there's a series of pivot points and recalibrations that I've experienced that have constantly got me to where I am. Hmm. And one of the biggest pivot points was joining the military. Another pivot point happened when I was much younger, actually when I was in elementary school. Um, actually, two, two pivot points. One, my second grade teacher was hard as hell on me, and he, I hated him for the first half of the year. And by the second half of the year, he was my favorite teacher I ever had because he understood me and he saw potential in me and he really mentored me. And his name was Mr. Safransky. And I don't know about you, but when I look back on my, uh, my teachers, I don't remember their names. 
Yeah. Like, I just don't. But I remember Mr. Safransky because he, he impacted me. So that was the pivot point. Another one was, um, since my parents didn't have a lot of money, uh, and I, I, find, I found that a lot of my friends were like this too, is there wasn't a lot of supervision. My parents were working all the time. So I was pretty much unsupervised to do whatever I wanted. So I would walk to school like three miles by myself when I was very young. And I would always walk from my house to the elementary school. I would pass by a building. And on the name of the, uh, on the side of the building, there, a guy's name, it said, Michael Polak Investments. And I always walked by this building. And every year he lit it up for Christmas, like thousands of lights. And it was just, in my neighborhood, there wasn't anything like this. And I'm like inspired, like, why does this guy have his freaking name on a building? I want my name on a building. You know, how cool would that be to like grow up and have, you know, Cody Sperber on the side of a building? And so uh, that was a big, that made a big impact because finally one day I stopped in there and I went and I talked to a lady and I said, what do you guys do? And she said, well, we invest in real estate. And I never did anything with that information. And I went on and I just always thought like, wow, that, that guy's the richest guy in town. That's pretty cool. He's got his own building, his name on it. He and all the street corners, by the way, had, you know, Polak cinemas, Polak, you know, uh, whatever, whatever he named it, the, that street corner. And so um, that always made a big impact on me. So anyways, fast forward, I'm now joining the military. Mm -hmm. Hardest thing I've ever done. And the best thing that has ever happened to me because I went from being out of shape, on a bad path, doing drugs with all my buddy. I was selling weed at the time, like, like that was my side hustle. It just, I wasn't going anywhere to getting in shape, having structure and control, getting my mindset right, wanting more for myself. Um, and while I was in the military in 2002, I went in from 98 to 2002. In 2000, my dad, I was complaining that I was bored on the ship. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a book that changed my life. And this is another pivot point. And that book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it just came out. It was like maybe September of 2000. And I forget when it was, but sure. I remember getting this book and I looked at it and I was like, oh, a book. All right, maybe. And I threw it in my rack and I forgot about it for like six months. Wow. And then one day I was bored and I pull it out and I opened it up and I started reading and I didn't put it down. I read the whole entire thing in one reading. And I, as I'm reading this book, I'm flashing back to that guy in the building that had his own building and that was investing in real estate. And I'm like, Oh my God, what, maybe this is what I can do. Right. And so now I'm getting out of the military and I wanted, I, I, when I was a little kid, I wanted to do two different things as a little kid. I either wanted to be a ninth grade history teacher because I love history. I don't know why that just appealed to me or a marine biologist. But when I joined the Navy, I got really seasick. So I couldn't wait to get off a ship. So like the marine biology thing went out the window. So as I was getting out of the military, I went and I talked to the history professor at San Diego State University. And I said, hey, how much money do you make? Right? That's the first question yeah. like almost everybody asks, like, what in this career, how much money can I make? And the guy laughed out loud, like a real big laugh. As soon as I asked, he was like, oh, my God. Oh, not enough. I actually have a second job. Right? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, yeah, I can't survive off of just my income from being a teacher. And I'm just like, Oh, well, that sucks. Like, I don't, 
I don't want to live that kind of life. Like I still want nice stuff. Um, maybe ninth grade history teacher. And he was a professor at a college. Yeah. He's like, ninth grade history is going to make less. And I'm just like, oh, screw that. Um, and so anyways, I'm going, I, I, I go and I enroll in college and I'm, I don't know what I want to do, but I only enrolled in college at this point because my dad, I went back to my dad and I said, what should I do? I don't know what I want to do with my life. I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist, but I can't be on a boat. I thought I want to be a history teacher, but that job sucks and doesn't pay enough. Um, what should I do? And he said, just go to college and, you know, try, maybe pick a major that's like the language of business. And my dad's not like really a businessman, but he was like, maybe do like finance or accounting. Hmm. Another pivot point in my life. So I enroll in college and at the time the Navy's paying for my college. So I'm like, yeah. cool, I'll go to school if they're paying for it. So I, I, I'm in i I'm in college and another pivot point happened. I asked my friend Jeremy to go to lunch and I haven't seen Jeremy in probably eight, nine months. Hmm. And when I last saw him, we were drinking and partying and having a good time. And he shows up driving a brand new Mercedes. And I'm like, dude, where'd you get the cool car? Like a freaking Mercedes. Like, how do you afford that? And he's like, Oh, um, I have a friend who is a real estate investor and he flipped, he taught me how to flip houses and I flipped a house and I made $80,000. I'm like, no, you didn't. There's no possible way you flip. You don't have any money. You don't have a real estate license. You don't have any money. Like how did you flip a house and make $80,000? He's like, Oh, I totally did it. And he pulls out a napkin and he pencils out on the napkin a concept that I never have heard of before. It's a concept called wholesaling real estate. Now, it's a little bit more widely known now because guys like me and the internet and all this, yeah. but you got to go back pre-social media, pre like the internet didn't have tons of information and websites and stuff on it. And so he pencils it out on this napkin and tells me, you know, I find a house from a distressed seller and I put it under contract. Then I found a cash buyer that wanted, was looking for a good deal. And I paired them together and I made 80 grand for sourcing the deal. And I'm like, that has to be a scam. Like this is some bullshit. Like this doesn't, I never heard of this before. Yeah. Right. And most of us think of real estate very traditionally. We think, you know, you go to real estate school, you get your license, you got to go to a bank and have good credit and good job history and, you know, save up a bunch of money to put a down payment. And, you know, I didn't even know that there was this whole world out there of creative real estate investing. So I took that napkin and I went home and I remember staring at it for like a week, getting more and more mad every time I looked at it because I felt like it was, there was, I was missing something. Right? I, I just felt like if this is real, why isn't everybody doing it? If this is real, how come nobody has ever told me about this? So about a weekend, I go back to Jeremy and I say, dude, this is either a complete scam BS or you need to teach me how to do this and I need to actually do it because if I can make $80,000 and get a Mercedes, I'm, I mean, I'm going to go do that. You know? And so uh, he explained it to me all over again. And I said, how do I learn this stuff? And at pre, pre social, pre all this stuff. And he goes, well, there's like real estate gurus and they like travel around the country and they put on seminars and events and stuff. And you go and they teach you how to do this stuff. I'm like, all right, well, hook me up with some. Next thing you know, I'm flying all over the country. I'm literally going to every single workshop seminar and they freaking loved me. 
because I had my credit card in my hand and I was like, I want to buy everything. Like I, I was like consuming information at a rapid pace. I think nowadays you guys are so lucky because you have YouTube. You know, you could just go to the Clever Investor channel on YouTube and devour all my videos and get a world-class education and wrap your hands around it. And it's, you know, instantaneous. I had to get on a plane and fly across the country and whip out my credit card every time and buy a $2,000, you know, books and tapes and, and binders full of materials. And so I flew all over. I got all these materials and I pretty quickly got the concept but there's a pretty drastic difference between understanding the concept and being able to go and implement the concept, right? And when you're holding on to like seven binders that are each have 200 pieces of paper in them, it's, you know, and binder one is like pre-foreclosure strategies and binder two is like creative financing strategies and binder three is like rental strategies. And it's like, where do I start? Do I start in binder one or two? And do I do what's on page one and two? but then I would get to page three and it wouldn't make sense and it wouldn't connect to the page two or to page four. And it just got really confusing. So after a couple of months trying to figure this out, I, I spent a bunch of money on courses and books and all kinds of stuff, but they all were like Swiss cheese to me. They all had like these giant pieces of missing information. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was cause I wasn't a deal maker yet, but I knew something was missing because I was trying so hard and I was like, I felt like I was sacrificing. I felt like I was working 14 hour days. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was just like trying so desperately to get this thing off the ground, but I couldn't do it. Well, in the beginning, when you're going through a process like this, you know, your friends and your family, they're like, oh, that's cute. You know, it's cute. Like, oh, look at him try to turn on and try to do something. And then like by like the second or third month, you know, my girlfriend was kind of starting to doubt a little bit. My parents were sitting me down saying, dude, you're wasting time. Just focus on college. Just focus on going to school. Focus on getting good grades. Like you're, you're you know, this normal people don't invest in real estate until you have money. Why don't you just work your way up the corporate ladder? And if you make a bunch of money at your career and you stay focused on your career, someday you can earn enough money that you can go and you can buy all the real estate you want. That was their advice to me. By the sixth month of me still not doing a deal, they, now people think I'm nuts, right? Now they think I'm like in outer space because I, I was telling everybody I'm gonna get rich in real estate and now six months later, I'm worse off than before I started because I, now I have credit card debt. So I'm on this like path to try and figure it out and by the ninth, ninth month, my girlfriend finally convinced me to just give it up. She was like, hey, I can't, you, you know, I can't, you know, now that self-limiting belief's looping in my head. I'm negative. I'm angry. Everything sets me off. And she's like, look, I can't be with you if you're going to be like this. Like, give it up, dude. Like, it's just not for you. Put out a resume. Go get a normal job. And see if you can't figure it out over, you know, s some years. But, like, just give up this dream. And so that's what I did. And uh, at the time, uh, here was another pivot point. I'm looking at the job postings. My girlfriend put a resume together for me. And I'm looking at job postings and I'm going through all of them. I'm like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, oh, what's this? Real estate developer seeks bookkeeper. I'm like, hmm, bookkeeping. What's bookkeeping? 
I was taking some finance classes. I'm like, I can probably figure out bookkeeping. How hard can bookkeeping be? Yeah. So I put in my resume and the guy calls me up and he goes, hey, come to my office tomorrow for an interview. So I show up at the interview and he goes, you know, I'm in my dad's suit. You know, it's too big for me. I'm just like goofy looking. <clears throat> and I, 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 I'm just, I mean, I haven't even really taken very many classes yet on finance. I've only taken like finance 101. And this guy's like, hey, uh, can, can you do Excel spreadsheets? And I lied. And I'm like, sure, I could do Excel spreadsheets. And he's like, Have you ever, do you know anything about bookkeeping? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. Whatever you need to know, I got it. He's like, all right, you, you could start tomorrow. $34,000 a year and show up tomorrow. Okay. So I leave his office. I go straight to the bookstore and I buy bookkeeping for dummies. And I read the book that night because I've never done books. I have no idea what I'm doing. I totally lied to get the job, but I wanted to see what a real estate developer's operation was like. And so over the next few months, I'm seeing this guy. And by the way, he was an asshole treated everybody like crap, thought he was above everybody, just a horrible boss. And, uh, but he was rich and he was making a lot of money in real estate at the time. And I'm watching because I'm running his books, all the money coming in and all the money going out, all the money coming in. And I'm like sitting there looking in the mirror every single night after sitting in traffic for an hour to get there. And I'm doing my schoolwork at nighttime. I'm totally stressed out. I hate the job. I'm barely making any money. And, uh, um, but I'm, I'm looking in the mirror at the end of every night going, why can that guy do this? And I failed miserably. And he's, he's not smarter than me. You know, he's not, he doesn't have any more capabilities than me. He wasn't born into money. He just, he figured it out, right? He's not even that nice of a guy. And uh, right around this time, another pivot point. A good friend of mine came to me and said, hey, I'm going to this real estate seminar. You want to go? And, I, and his name was Zach. And I said, Zach, I've done that a hundred times. Like, I'm, I'm not going to another seminar. All I'm going to do is buy a bunch of crap. I'm, I'm going to get more confused. Like, I just don't want to do that again. And he's like, come on, just come. It was in San Francisco at the time. He said, just come party with me. I'm telling you right now, if you just come and hang out, this is different than anything you've ever experienced. I've been to a couple of this guy's seminars and he's the best I've ever seen. I promise you it will be different. So I went and talked to Shannon, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And I said, Shannon, what are your thoughts? She goes, anything's better than you being a miserable, you know, SOB. All you do is complain about your crappy job. First, I thought it was painful that you weren't doing your real estate deals. Now I know how painful it is you quitting on yourself and working this crappy job that you hate. Like that's way worse. Go to the seminar and just go have a good time. So I go to the seminar and I walk into this room and I swear I've never experienced anything like it in my life. There was 400 people in the crowd. Jack Miller was up at the front telling stories. It was just him in a podium telling the greatest real estate stories that I've ever heard. All of these people were frantically taking notes and I'm looking around the crowd and I'm like, oh my God. I bought a course from that guy and I went to that guy's seminar and I went to that guy's seminar and I bought his stuff and all of the gurus were frantically taking notes from Jack. And I'm like, who is this? Is this like the guru's guru? Like who is this guy and why is he so special? And over the next day, day or so, I realized like this particular group was 
unlike anything I've ever seen. They were actual deal makers, real players, people that really truly cared. It was like a real community for the first time. Everybody else was like fly in, fly out, sell you crap. There was nothing for sale. This person was just loving real estate, passionate about what they did, and they were passionate about building their community. And so I got plugged into that and I went to lunch uh, at the break and I went to the bar to order some food and there was this old guy sitting there and he had Adidas sweatpants pulled up to here, this old wrinkly polo shirt that you could tell he washed a thousand times. It was tucked into his sweatpants. He had like those old people's shoes, you know, with the Velcro, like the big cloppers, like the big white ones. And he's sitting at the bar and I start talking to him while I was waiting for my food and I fell in love with this guy. Like he was amazing. He'd been doing real estate for 40 years and happened to have a house here in Arizona that he lived out here part time. And by the time the lunch was over, I was begging this guy. His name was Lyle. I said, Lyle, you have to mentor me. Like I've tried desperately. I've spent all this money. I've done all these things. Like I will do anything. I'll work around the clock. I'll bring you deals. I'll do whatever it takes, but you have to mentor me. Like you're, you're the only dude I've ever met that actually like is like the realest of the real deals. And he's like, all right, I'll make you a deal. First off, you're going to write me a big check. Second off, I'm going to give you three strikes. If you are negative, if you say no to me, if you contradict me and and lie to me, you do anything, I'm going to give you three strikes. And by the third strike, I'm firing you and I'm keeping all the money that you gave me. And that was my first mentor, right? And I left that event with hiring Lyle as my first mentor. And that dude changed my life. He, that was the next pivot point because he taught me things you can't learn in books. He took me under his wing and he made me a priority. And that was the missing piece for me. I don't know if it is for everybody, but that was for me is having somebody that's been there and done that has already spent 40 years building a massive portfolio, building wealth, learning all the hard lessons, but now pivoting and saying, I'm going to make you a priority. And I think he saw a younger me in him. You know, I, I, uh, I burnt through two strikes pretty quickly, learned very quickly that you don't mess with Lyle and his three strike policy. And I was so scared to burn that last strike that I fell in line, you know, kind of like the military forces you to do. I knew that if I screwed it up again, that I I was going to get screwed. So um, after hiring him, so nine months of no deal making, hired Lyle. We worked pretty hard for about 45 days. And that's right around the time I did my first big deal. And that first big deal changed my life because I made $40,000 on that first house, that first big house. That was more money than I made as an entire year as a bookkeeper. And I did it in a single deal. And all of that struggle, all of that pain, all of that sacrifice, all of that money invested, all of those painful moments finally paid off. And I realized and I transitioned from like hope to this is actually happening now. This is real to me. And I hope every single one of you guys watching this has that moment in your evolution as you're going through your pivot points and your recalibrations and your, your path is just constantly shifting. When you get to that place where you're finally, things are starting to click and starting to work. And I'm kind of glad it didn't happen on the first month because if it did, it I wouldn't have been 
learned as much. I wouldn't have appreciated it as much. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have gone off and have, has done it as well as I have. But that struggle strengthened me because after I did that first big deal, I was empowered for the first time in my life. First off, I made a lot of money and money is power, right? And uh, I knew that I was going to be able to go out and do it again and again and again. And so um, I was able to quit my job as a bookkeeper the next day. I walked in and I said, hey, dude, I'm out. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity, but I'm out. I was able to pay off all my debts, all that stuff. I even cut a check for my, my parents who, you know, nothing's better feeling in the world than taking care of loved ones, right? Like when you finally get there where you can cut a check and solve a problem for somebody else, like it feels good to go buy the car. And I got a lot of cool cars, right? I've, I've, I've driven in some of the best cars in the world, you know, Rolls Royces. I've owned multiple Lamborghinis. That, that's all cool, but that fades really quickly. But writing a check to help your parents or, you know, I retired my parents. I became a millionaire at age 28, a multimillionaire by age 30. I retired my parents right shortly after that. And I continue to give my dad over $100,000 a year, even, even today, just for them to have cash for retirement. And it's the best feeling in the world, way better than anything I could ever buy for myself. And so I got to that point where I, I closed that deal quit my job, paid off debts, helped my parents. And I rushed out and I bought my girl a ring, an engagement ring with the rest of the money, blew through the rest of it. And, uh, you know, proposed and said, Hey, you ready to take this ride with me? Like, this is it. Like we're, we're getting on the rocket ship now because it's clicking finally. Like all those seeds I planted, all those relationships are starting to pay off. And, uh, the distance between deal zero and deal one was about a year. The distance between deal one and deal two was probably a, like another like month. Then between deal two and deal three was like two weeks. And then it shortened. And before you know it, I was doing a couple deals a week. Before you know it, I was doing one or two deals a day. And it just, you know, started scaling it. And, uh, you know, my first eight years in the business, I probably bought twelve or 1,300 houses maybe. Something like that. That wasn't all wholesaling. Um, yeah, wholesaling. Oh, okay. Wholesaling, a lot, lot of wholesaling. But I, I was doing rehabs by that. Towards the end, I started doing a lot of rehabs. And, you know, was able to ride different market cycles. I've now experienced a full entire market cycle. Um, from the market doing phenomenal to the market completely imploding to the market now doing phenomenal. And I, I do think that it's going to shift here soon. So learned a lot of lessons of different investing strategies that you want to deploy during different market cycles. Um, yeah. Amazing. That was, I mean, that's dude, what a ride I just took you on. There we go. Now you know the whole evolution because people think it's like a straight line a lot of times and it's never a straight line. Yeah. Up and then I quit and then I'm back in and then I'm like wanting to quit again. And then somebody else comes along and like relationships, pivot points, recalibrations. That's, that's what life is. A hundred percent. And I think that's really important that you brought that up. And I want to dive a bit deeper on pivot points because a lot of our younger listeners, like you said, have that expectation that everything's just going to be a straight line. Like they're going to have one good idea. They're going to like hit it big on Shopify and like tomorrow they're going to be a millionaire. So talk to us about those pivot points and how it sounds like for you, a lot of times, correct me if I'm wrong, but pivot points were happening when you changed either your environment or some kind of like big event happened for you. So how, how would you advise a younger listener to think about how they can start to create those pivot points if they feel like they're not on the track that they want to be on right now? 
Yeah. And I have, you know, I've been so blessed and fortunate to have uh, gotten into social media early. Yeah. Done really well on a lot of different platforms, have millions of social media followers. And I have a lot of young followers and I tell them, if you don't know exactly what you want to do with your life yet, and you're still trying to figure out what your passion is, what your purpose is, where you want to go. And I think all of us kind of have some idea, but actually, you know, making money from it or, uh, you know, going in, building a career or a life around it is, is a little different. And so what my recommendation always is, is if you're not 100% in love or focused on one particular thing, to create those kind of pivot points, what I would do if I was to go back and start all over is I would pick an industry that I was interested in. So maybe for me, marine biology or history or real estate or whatever, I would pick an industry and I would try to find whoever is really good in that industry. Find a good, good either a good um, business or a good person that's working in a business. And I would literally go and beg for a job. I don't care if I have to work for free. I don't care if I had to start in the mailroom or sweep or be someone's you know, personal assistant. I would do anything to get proximity and get into that industry. And I would work that industry as hard as I could at whatever job I got for six months. And it, by the end of six months, if that person I was looking up to didn't continue to inspire me, I couldn't totally visualize me doing this for my life. I wasn't falling in love with this industry. I would quit on the exact day of the six month and I would shift to a completely different industry and I would do it all over again. And you have this weird moment in time where you're, when you're really young, where you don't have the pain, you don't have the pressure, you don't have the backstory, you don't have any of that. You have complete freedom to do this crazy concept of jumping ships for six, every six months into a different industry. And when you fall into something and you start to real, like you, you'll get that internal feeling like, wow, this is so exciting. I really love this. I could see myself making money from it. Then lean in on that and, and, you know, consume it and dominate it. But if that's, if you're there for a few months and you're not loving it, it's like, Hey man, I got to get out of this. I got to, I got to shift to something else. For sure. It's going to be a person. That's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to, you're going to go into that niche and someone's going to really impact you in a positive way. And that's when you're going to start to light up. Do you think it's important that, that you're able to interact with that person in person? Because, I mean, for you, it sounded like you found these mentors early on. You bought their, their courses, their content, their binders. Um, but that wasn't as effective for you as when you actually found an in-person mentor. So do you think that's important that you're able to interact with this person, like, one-on-one? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what you're trying to do, but like I mentor students from all over the country. They're not sitting right next to me and I wasn't sitting right next to Lyle all the time. You know, mm -hmm. I, when he was in town, I would go and visit him. We'd go have coffee and stuff like that. But, um, most of it was over the phone. Now we have video, right? What, what we're doing right here. So, I mean, you don't have to physically be in person in my opinion, but you do have to be present. And you know, and what that means to me is, you know, you can't be distracted with 50 million blinking lights, social media, office doors open, all these other things going on, whatever, when, whenever you're in front of that teacher or that mentor, you have to shut everything else down and just get omnipresent with them and uh, just can come prepared because mentors, they're, men, they're, they're successful for a reason. If anybody's playing the game at a very high level, that means a couple of things. One, they think of time differently than you. 
right? They value the minute differently than you value your minute. And what that means is you better show up prepared. You better have your questions. You better have your agenda. You, you, you can't just say, hey, I know you're successful. Teach me. What do I do? Teach me. You better come with some serious, hey, last time we talked, you told me about this. I went out there. I did these things. This screwed up. I had this objection. This other thing happened. I ran out of steam. This person shut me down. What do I do? And show up with you know, something that, so you can get your answers and get more clarity. Don't just think that a mentor is going to pivot and go, oh, here's every list one through 10,000 of everything that you need to know. Go do it. Hmm. All right. It doesn't work like that. And unfortunately, and like nowadays with social media, everybody's DMing me saying, hey, will you be my mentor? Will you be my mentor? And then, you know, they're gone a week later if I don't respond. You're never going to find a mentor like that right? You know how many DMs successful people get nowadays? You know, you're either going to cut a big check to make them make you a priority, or you're going to sleep in the freaking lobby for as long as it takes, right? And, and sometimes that might be two months, three months, camping outside, like literally go get a tent and camp outside. By the 15th day of that guy walking into the building, seeing you sleeping on the sidewalk, I promise you, you're going to get an opportunity to pitch to him or her, right? So you better be prepared with your 30 second pitch and you better have the stamina to camp outside for long enough to have that opportunity. But I know for me, and I've mentored a lot of young people to become very successful, um, the ones I enjoy being around the most are the ones that are most aggressive also, hmm. right? Like they're, they, they're willing to sacrifice, they're willing to be relentless, they're willing to show up every single day early and just won't leave me alone. It's kind of how you got this interview. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that being said, um, it sounds like there are really two options if you want to like find a mentor and connect with someone. And the first is to, like you said, cut them a big check. The second is to find some way you can provide them value. So how would you advise a young listener, like a 16, 17, 18 year old, to find a way to be able to, to pitch to somebody who is successful in their own space in a way that, that shows that they really can provide value, even if they're feeling right now like, well, I don't have the money to cut a check and I don't really think I'm that valuable at this point in time. So what would you advise that person to do? Well, first off, you better show up with the right attitude because attitude is the only value you have right now. I mean, to, to be honest with you, you're not gonna show up at 16 or 17 year old with a lot of value. Now, yes, are there 16 and 17 year olds that have geeked out in their room and taught themselves how to code? or taught themselves SEO, or taught themselves social media, and if you can teach yourself a skill like that, I promise you, when you show up and you say, hey, I'll build your websites and my shit doesn't suck, or I'll do your social for free, just let me have some proximity to you, I'm, I, I'm not even gonna bother you, but I'll do everything for free. Um, and if you don't have a skill like that, it's just, I will literally do all of the shit you hate to do in your life and I will do it all with the greatest attitude you've ever seen. And I'm not even asking you to mentor me. I'm just asking you to allow me to get proximity to somebody that's playing the game at your level because I know that I don't even need to hear you finish the sentence before I'm already processing in my mind how I can go and implement what I just listened to or learned. Because when you go and you say, hey, I want something from you right away. A player's like, nah, I'm good. Everybody wants something from me. That's my whole life, right? 
and, and somebody that's, a, you know, entrepreneurs, all we do is we get paid to solve problems, right? So we're big problem solvers. And the, more, the bigger the problem, the more challenging, the more money we make. So imagine we're out solving problems every day and all of a sudden you're harassing me trying to, you know, want to hang out, but you're just becoming another pain in my ass for another problem. So you just have to realize if that's their mindset, you got to show up and solve one of their problems and not be a pain in their ass and not be just somebody that's trying to take, but trying to, trying to help. So, Hey, give me the 10 things that you hate doing on a daily basis and I'll go do those for free if you don't have money. But like for me, I, I just, I wrote a check, you know, cause it got, got me there a little bit faster. Um, and I think in the real estate space, that's kind of common. So I was a little bit more conditioned because there's a lot of real estate gurus and stuff that charge for mentoring. So it was, if I was like trying to go into a different niche, I don't know if I would write a check or not. Hmm. Super interesting. I probably, so I probably go for the, I'll work for free route first. <laughs> how that works. Absolutely. So I want to dive a bit deeper into real estate now before we do wrap up the show. Um, so for a young listener, who's again, like 18, 19, 20 years old, who wants to get started, let's say wholesaling, because that's an area that you have a lot of experience in. Um, what, what are some of the best first steps for that person to take? Obviously you said finding someone who's been successful in that space. Um, but beyond that, what are some other things that people can be doing? Should they be building their credit? Should they be building up some income? Like what should they be doing before they get involved in, in wholesaling? Yeah. Um, so first off, wholesaling is no money down real estate investing. So you don't need a real estate license. You don't need to go to a bank, good credit. You don't need previous experience. You don't need construction knowledge. It's literally the pathway for somebody who has more time than money to get into real estate and make money from houses, right? And that was me, right? I was broke, but I had time and I wanted, Jeremy showed me on a napkin what wholesaling was and I was like, I'm gonna go do that. Now, you know, you got a guy like me that puts together very detailed training videos either on my YouTube channel or I have, you know, systems and stuff that um, are extremely, extremely affordable where I just map everything out for you. So step one is educate yourself on the wholesaling process, how to set your business up the right way, how to source the deals, how to, you know, have these conversations with sellers um, and cash buyers how to structure the deals and make the offer, how to fill out the paperwork so you can legally flip a house without actually having to buy it. You know, marketing strategies to generate, you know, all of these opportunities. And then just, you know, some support. So that way when you're going out there and actually implementing all this information, uh, you have somebody to ask some questions to. And so um, my recommendation would be to do one of two things when you're in the learning phase. And that would be either go to my YouTube channel, which is at Clever Investor, all right? Tons of video on what is wholesaling and how wholesaling works. And then once you're done consuming that, when you're ready to go to the next level, because you're like, wow, this sounds really cool. I want to do this. Um, I would go to codysdealchallenge.com. And that is a, uh, it's my 30 days to a deal challenge. So I take somebody who's brand new, and within 30 days, we do everything that we need to do to have all the breakthroughs and all the steps to actually go and do a deal and get one closed. And here was my big challenge when I went and I bought courses. Remember I said they were missing pieces of information. Mm -hmm. Half of it was old, outdated. Half of it was, um, uh, it was just bad training. Half of it was me because I was overcomplicating things and like reading too far into it. Or I would, I would hear a concept like, and I would get stuck on something because I was too analytical or too much of a perfectionist. 
and I would get stuck and I wouldn't be able to move forward. So what I've done with the 30 day challenge is I basically simplified it to say, okay guys, let's not overthink this. On Monday, do this. Tuesday, do this. Wednesday, do this. Thursday, and if you can jump ahead, cool, but here's every day for 30 days completely mapped out. Stop overthinking it, just go do these things. And what'll happen is by the time you get done with all that, you'll, you'll experience all the breakthroughs of all the, the parts of the deal that you need to understand. And by the time you're done, you're at your first deal. And just like me, when I did my first deal and it goes from hope to real, that's when it all internalizes and you go, wow, this is actually something I could do and, and, and scale and do again and again and again. And my hope for everybody listening, because I love wholesaling. I love rehabbing. I got 12 rehabs going right now, right? I got lots of money on the streets. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very active real estate investor. None of that shit matters if you don't buy real estate and keep it. Because every time you flip a house while you make a lot of money, you also get taxed a lot of money and you're fired yourself. You got to go find another deal now. So every deal I complete and I flip a house, even though I made five, 10, 20, $30,000, which to a lot of people is an extreme amount of money, I'm now, one, human nature says I'm going to go spend it. Two, I got to pay taxes on it at the highest tax bracket. And then three, I now got to go find another deal because no more money's coming in unless I go put in more work. But when you own real estate and I take my wholesale profits and I cherry pick out the best deals I come across and I do some rehabs and then I make bigger paydays and then I take the profits from my wholesale and rehab business and then I go buy a triplex or buy a duplex and I stick tenants in there, my tenants pay down the mortgages. I get cash flow whether I put my pants on in the morning or not. We call that mailbox money. Plus, I get taxed at a much better tax rate. I can depreciate the real estate, which means I can write it down. So if I'm making money over here, let's say I make 100 grand from flipping houses, but I own a lot of real estate, I can offset my earned income by the depreciation and the write-offs that I get from my own real estate to balance out to where I don't have to cut a big check to the government. Now you're thinking like somebody who's wealthy, right? Because right now you might be, you might have a certain belief system about making money, a certain belief system about creating and having success in your life and, and, and um, creating wealth. Real estate is that proven vehicle that every person, no matter if you go off and do Shopify or if you become a big YouTube star, you're going to make money in all these different ways. Put it in real estate. Learn the language of real estate just so you can put your money from your Shopify or from your e-commerce store or from your YouTube stuff into real estate because I promise you, you do that for 10 years, just 10, right? If you're 16, 17, 18 years old, you do it till you're 30, let's just say, 28, 30. You'll never have to work another day in your life. You'll never have to do anything. And by the way, just since I'm on the topic, real estate is not just actual physical houses and stuff. Your YouTube videos are real estate. You need to think of real estate like that, right? Any income producing asset that whether you work or not sends money your way. You start popping on YouTube and you get that YouTube ad money coming in, that's real estate. 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month per video. I, I have a friend that just uh, crossed $100,000 a month in YouTube ad revenue. It's real, real money. Estate. And he's got hundreds and hundreds of videos that are just living out there and YouTube's paying them every single month, month in and month out. So, you know, think, think like that. And I promise you by the, 
you know, 10 years is up, you're, you'll be winning the game and, and you'll be like, God, I remember that pivot point where I watched, mm. you know, Cody on that crazy podcast. And uh, <laughs> he was talking to me about real estate and it planted that stupid seed. Next thing you know, I bought a bunch of houses and thank God I did. Mm. That's the truth. Thank God I did. Yep. <laughs> Cody, now you've been dropping so much value on our listeners so far and I'm extremely grateful for that. Uh, before we wrap up the show, though, I have some questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Are you feeling ready for those? Hit me. Awesome. The first thing I'm curious about is what is something that genuinely has Cody Sperber excited right now? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I love, I love what I do so much. Um, in the business side of things, I just love teaching. I love being around young, youthful energy. I feed off of you guys. You know, I used to be the young hustler. I used to be the guy that just like had unlimited, you know, energy and uh, hope for the future. Now I'm 40, almost 41. So now I got to feed off you guys to keep <laughs> current, and, you know, keep plugged in. So I love that. Um, but the thing that matters most to me in my life right now is just raising my children and being a present dad and just being, 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 being there for them. My daughter is a competitive cheerleader. She just got into the top gym in all of Arizona. It's actually one of the top gyms in the country. They win all the big state championships and world championships and stuff. So I'm like super cheer dad out right now. I'm loving that. My son's playing soccer. He's like a video gamer. So like I'm getting in all his video games with him. So like anything I could do to just be there for my kids. Cause my dad worked a lot and I love, I mean, I, I had the greatest relationship with him, but you know, nobody ever goes to their deathbed and says, man, I wish I worked more. Mm. So I'm trying to be present for them. Cause I know, and you know, fortunately I've had some good mentors in my life that I have so many summers with them before they are off and want to hang out with their friends more than they want to hang out with me. My daughter's eight. My son just turned 10. I got a few more summers. This is it, you know, and then they're gone. So uh, that if there was anything, it's not the cars, it's not the Lambos, it's not the vacations, it's the kids. Mm, I love that. I love that, man. So Cody, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in your business or just in your lifestyle? Yep. Routines and habits are probably some of the, you know, positive routines and habits are, um, make, you know, things that make it or break it for people. We're creatures of habit. Uh, I have a nighttime routine and a morning routine that I stick to religiously mm. every single night. Uh, right before I go to bed, I, I get out my journal and I write down the top three or four things that I want to accomplish the next day. I also write down the top three or four things that I want to stay away from the next day that are time wasters, just as a personal reminder. I leave uh, a bottle of, of water next to my bed and my journal next to my bed. We, we wake up in the middle of the night a lot of times with great ideas. I feel like you better write that down because I've never remembered my great idea <laughs> if I don't write it down. So I keep my journal next to my bed. Um, and then when I wake up in the morning, I don't check my phone. I don't watch negative news. I don't, I don't do anything that takes control away from me. I want to wake up and be in control. But if I'm reacting to emails or I'm reacting to negative news, they're in control, not me. So I get up powerfully. I have about five minutes of gratefulness where I literally just say all the things I'm grateful for, whatever comes to my head, grateful for these sheets, grateful for fresh air, grateful for this hot chick that's next to me, grateful for, you know, my kids, grateful for that lazy boy chair, even though it's ugly, I freaking love it. Grateful for, you know, shoes and I just go through everything. And then I do my moment of gratefulness just to put me in the right mindset. I drink my, my bottle of water and I get up 
put a smile on my face and I get my butt to the gym, you know, and I move. And I think a lot of successful people do this routine. So I'm not probably telling yeah. you guys anything you haven't heard before, but that this is what I've done. And I've just created that habit um, of just having a strong nighttime routine and a strong morning routine. And then probably the last thing I'll say on that is when I'm working, I don't do 10 things. I do one thing and that is it, right? So I'm super present with one or two needle moving activities every single day and I eliminate all the other negative noise. I either delegate it, delete it, or automate it. Because for me, I have certain, like there's, there's $5 an hour activities and there's $500 an hour activities. And the only one I wanna focus on are the big boy activities, right? Everything else I need to hire somebody or train somebody or automate it or delegate it or outsource because um, I, entrepreneurs find themselves wasting a ton of time trying to pick what color business card do I get and what color my website's gonna be and you know, stupid decisions that don't mean anything and nobody cares right? You think they're big deals. They're not freaking big deals. Nobody cares, right? Get 10 business cards, get a money gun that shoots business cards. Just like <laughs> get over it and move on. So, uh, you know, during the day, I don't keep my office door open. I rarely keep my phone by me unless, you know, I, I really am expecting a call or something like that. And if I'm in work mode, my wife knows to not in, uh, interrupt me unless it's an emergency. Mm. Habits, habits, habits. That's how you start winning. That's the truth. Cody, you've been dropping so much value on our listeners, man. Where can they go if they want to follow up with you, find out more about Cody Sperber, Clever Investor, and just everything that you're up to? Yeah, so um, I'm pushing hard on YouTube right now. So YouTube is at Clever Investor. Uh, Instagram, I got over 1.2 million followers. Um, that's Instagram at Clever Investor. I'm pretty much everywhere, Clever Investor. Um, yeah, or yeah, Clever Investor, Cody Sperber. Clever investor, Cody Sperber. <laughs> the links will be in the show notes for y'all as well. Cody, again, super grateful for you. Do you have any last closing thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to wrap the show up with here today? Yeah, I mean, you guys are obviously on the right path if you're listening to this type of, you know, content. You're already, uh, you know, entrepreneurial-minded probably. You want to have more success in your life. So, you know, I have no doubt that if you keep consuming and self-educating, you're going to get there. If you want to learn real estate investing, go to codysdealchallenge.com. And uh, for less than a hundred bucks, you can get started. You know, if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't even have a hundred bucks, go borrow it from your parents, figure it out. Cause I'm telling you right now, I was dropping thousands and thousands of dollars to learn real estate education. And I priced the deal challenge at a hundred bucks because I just, I want everybody to do it because I know it's going to change a lot of people's lives. So codysdealchallenge.com and I hope it helps. And thank you for having me on. Appreciate it, yeah. dude. This was fun. There we go, man. Invest in yourself. Cody, man, appreciate you choosing to spend your time here on Young Smart Money. There you go. Boom. See you guys. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Young Smart Money. Again, if you guys did enjoy the show, do remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really does help us get in front of more people with the show. It helps you hear from even more amazing guests. It just makes the world go round when you do smash that five-star in 
iTunes. And if you guys want me to shout you out in my Instagram story, I am always up for that. So if you send a screenshot of your review to Apple Crater Official on Instagram, shoot me a DM of that or just tag me in it. Would love to repost it on my short story and give y'all a shout out there. Otherwise, I hope you guys do have a wonderful day, whether you're out walking the dog, whether you are at the gym, whatever you are up to on this fine day. I hope it is a splendid one and I will see you in the next episode. Have a wonderful day.